I think like anybody, when you're doing a great job, what you do and you're passionate about it, I think that the people around you, because look, we're all we're all kind of a piece of the pie, right? None of us really do everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I think when you're when you're passionate about the piece of the pie that you do, um, others that are also passionate about what they do gravitate towards a team environment. And I think that was always my motto going into to meeting new vendors and such is, is, hey, we're you know we're separate vendors, but once we get on site, we are a team. If you lose, I lose, and then ultimately the client loses. So don't be afraid to ask if you need a hand and we'll, you know, we've done it. that's just been our approach for all 20 years that I've been in this business is, and I think it's kind of pulled us towards, um, you know, working in different areas uh, and, and corporate. And when I say corporate, I don't mean just corporate parties. Um, we have uh, groundbreaking stuff that happens for wind farm places that are out in Timbuktu that we get pulled into as well. They just need a tent or something covered. So, sure. uh, so we find ourselves in those categories as well. Welcome to Peer Talk, a dialogue with business owners just like you. Peer Talk conversations run the gamut of business challenges facing owners today. The host of Peer Talk is Dan Crowley, founder and owner of Peer Executive Groups, which provides a safe space for owners to share their experience, grow their businesses, and learn from their peers. Hi, this is Dan Crowley. We have a number of great owners in our peer group network, just like you, and our job is to give you a voice here on Peer Talk. You're here for game-changing good business advice, so we have to ask, has anyone told you about Good Shuffle Pro? Get ahead with speedy, reliable rental software, plus the top-rated customer service by visiting pro.goodshuffle.com P-E-G today. That's pro.goodshuffle.com P-E-G. Our guest on Peer Talk today is Blake Didi from Ideal Tent and Event Rentals, which was founded 20 years ago back in 2002 in T, South Dakota. Blake operates Ideal and is able to touch quite a number of states around him. He also is a member of our event group. Welcome to Peer Talk. Today we have a very special guest. His name is Blake Didi from Ideal Tent and Events in South Dakota. Uh, Welcome, Blake. Thank you for having me. So where are you located in South Dakota again? We are in T, South Dakota, which is just about two miles south of uh, of the city of Sioux Falls. Got it. And I was one of the few that did not visit your location during the last peer group meeting up there. So I apologize for that. It's on my bucket list to uh, make sure I spend time in South Dakota at some point. I think between South Dakota and Alabama, I think those are the two I got to hit. <laughs> for sure. But uh, on my list. But um, so today we're here to talk about the challenge of growing your business by expanding your geo coverage. And the reason why that topic is interesting to a lot of our members is they uh, find themselves like you in a area where there is, um, you know, you're covering quite a bit of territory to get to the same amount of uh, people that uh, populate in that region. So why don't you tell us first, before we get into that, um, about yourself, what was your background? How did you end up getting in rental at all? Well, uh, I'll try to make a long story short. Um, I went to I went to school at USD, finished out at Southeast Tech here in Sioux Falls with a business associates and a marketing associates degree. Uh, always mechanically minded. Um, I found that was where my strengths lied. Uh, went on to 
uh, run a parts store or uh, be an assistant manager and then went on to be a GM, moved to Omaha, Nebraska, lived there for two years doing that. Uh, I had this opportunity pop up and a gentleman that owned this store uh, come down to visit me, oh gosh, probably three or four times. The last time he finally convinced me uh, in, in among some happenings down in Omaha with just uh, crime and such, and I was a single guy, so I wanted to get back home. Um, and so that's what brought me back here. Uh, and I ended up buying the business from him under the agreement. I'd run it as a, a manager for five years and then decide ultimately whether I wanted to move forward with purchasing it or not. Um, back then it was more a retail store. Uh, they did a lot of wedding stuff, a lot of party stuff and party stores were big back then. I think, I, I think they're kind of fizzling now, uh, due to Amazon and such. But I needed to find my spot and how I really fit in there. I, I spent the first year almost hiding in the back room because it just wasn't my thing. Um, mm -hmm. Ultimately took off with rental um, and started growing that, purchased the company. Uh, well, I, I grew it as much as the owner would let me at that point, um, but then took off and started expanding, um, got into tents. Uh, and that's really where things exploded for me. Gotcha. And when, what time period was this? Because I'm trying to do the math on, you seem young to me. Oh, so when, thank you. When was this going on? <laughs> so this was, uh, this was early 2000 uh, or a little before, maybe 99 oh, wow. when I was approached. Um, I believe it was October. Or it was no, actually, uh, I, can't, I can't remember the exact month. It was either October or January in that vicinity of 2002 that I actually purchased the company. Gotcha. Uh, I was 27 years old, I believe, at that point. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, just literally trying to find my way, uh, it, you know, at that age. So um, fascinating. So they so the company itself, uh, how do you have any idea how long it was in existence prior to you participating in it? Yeah, I, I believe it was. And, and I'd have to look. I think it was 1946 is when wow. the company was opened up. Um, okay. It's been, oh gosh, three, two generations and then me. So, uh, so it's been around for quite some time. Wow. And it does seem like the business model has shifted a little bit um, into rental, obviously. And uh, you also, uh, when I, you know, started to get to know you, you were uh, operating the company as ideal wedding and events. And you recently right. went through name change on that. We did. Uh, we branded. So just to back up a little bit, the company used to be Ideal Wedding and Party Center. Oh, wow. And then it went to Ideal Wedding Center and then Ideal Wedding and Events. And then currently we've rebranded. We are Ideal Tent and Event Rentals. We felt that wedding was really, you know, being in the name was really pigeonholing us into a certain market. And I wanted to get out because we were doing so much more than that. Uh, mm -hmm. So I needed the name to, to kind of match, fit a little better with what we were doing. Gotcha. So let's talk about that. So we're going to talk about your asset categories here. I think in some regard, the assets follow the, um, the market that you're going after, the, the, the community that you're trying to rent to. But why don't you tell us about your, um, first off, the communities you serve, what types of um, uh, markets do you, uh, do you play in? Obviously, you were in wedding for quite a bit, so you're still probably doing some of that. We are. It's still a good portion of what we do. Um, but we did find ourselves in corporate uh, or getting pulled. I think that was a thing that we never really chased. Uh, it really kind of found us. 
and then built upon that. I think like anybody, when you're doing a great job, what you do and you're passionate about it, I think that the people around you, because look, we're all we're all kind of a piece of the pie, right? None of us really do everything. Um, mm-hmm. And I, so I think when you're when you're passionate about the piece of the pie that you do, um, others that are also passionate about what they do gravitate towards a team environment. And I think that was always my motto going into to meeting new vendors and such is, is hey, we're you know we're separate vendors, but once we get on site, we are a team. If you lose, I lose, and then ultimately the client loses. So don't be afraid to ask if you need a hand and we'll, you know, we've done it. That's just been our approach for all 20 years that I've been in this business is, and I think it's kind of pulled us towards, um, you know, working in different areas uh, and, and corporate. And when I say corporate, I don't mean just corporate parties. Um, we have uh, groundbreaking stuff that happens for wind farm places that are out in Timbuktu that we get pulled into as well. They just need a tent or something covered. So, sure. uh, so we find ourselves in those categories as well. Excellent. So you're, um, give us a breakdown on your pie chart. What does it look like from an asset category standpoint? You know, what are you doing? Obviously, tent seems to be a big move for you. Um, do you still have bouncy houses? What's your linen look like? Tell us, tell us about about that. Well, we've always we've always stayed clear of the inflatables and such, uh, and just really focused on tents. And again, I'm you know I'm kind of I love to figure things out. So uh, when there's a custom element to stuff, I will try to figure out how to. If somebody give me an idea, I can build it. Um, and if I don't know how to, I know somebody that does. Uh, so that's kind of our approach to that. Um, but as far as tents, of course, that's a growing part of our inventory. Um, linens are a big thing for us. We have our own laundry facility on. We put in iron, the washing machines, and really put in the accommodations for all of that. I, I hear a lot of you know, what the expense of uh, outsourcing laundry is, and uh, just felt like that was something we needed to shore up right in the beginning. Um, China is another deal, um, being able to accommodate a 1,000 people or a thousand place setting event where we can bring all that in, have matching stuff. So that was another deal. And of course, if you've ever washed 300 plates at once by hand, mm. uh, you don't do that twice. So we, no, thank we, you. We of course put in the facility to handle that too, but, and tent washing is another area that we got into uh, where we have our Tico tent washer. I think we source or uh, wash about a hundred thousand square foot of canvas for other people uh, through our off season. Um, because our, our off season actually spans, uh, we shut down in November, the first of November, and we don't get back after it again until the first of May. So we have quite a span where there's really nothing happening here. That's ultimately been the challenge is trying to figure out what can we do to stop bleeding off, uh, uh, seasonal profits. So. No, that's great. That's a good point. And I'm, I'm assuming when you look at your numbers from 17 and 18 and 19, skip over 20, look right. at 21 and say, hmm, you know, first off, you're looking at your asset growth, in, you know, a- asset category growth, what's happening and what people are wanting you to go out and get more of and be ready for that. But also, you know, can you bleed into those months? Are you able to get right. more revenue in those months? Um, do you do you use the rate of change? Uh, well, we've I'd like to. Um, I think we're running into a little bit of an issue right now. With we did a, a big software change uh, to okay. Good Shuffle Pro. Um, we've built out our website, but there's a there's a few things on Good Shuffle that we wish were a little bit better. And one of those is 
pulling apart our actual uh, deposits from what we are actually doing for revenue in a month. And right now, there's not really a great way to do that. So we've really been pushing them to uh, to try to break that out so that I can accomplish or, or work in the rate of change. Good point. Okay. And, you know, obviously rate of change, what we're talking about, everyone, is this idea of looking at the last 12 months uh, revenue and dropping a month, adding a month as you go, and then comparing it backwards to the previous year. So yeah. you can say, hmm, am I, you know, I'm at 6% growth. The rest of the world is at 2% growth. We're doing well or or not. It could be the other yeah. way too. But, but I think that can help. So two, two things affected by growth, because that's another part of our topic today. Um, one is your staff build out. So I'm looking at your, you know, how you've grown your business. How, tell us a little bit about the, you know, what the last few years were like in terms of hiring a new position or getting additional bodies. Uh, tell us what that looks like. Well, the last few years, of course, have been extremely difficult to Put a body in any position, um, but you know, if we're, if we're looking back, I, I just I kind of go back to the beginning when we started getting into tents and um, how I how I always thought I I was the only one that could do this, you know. <laughs> so so I was out running uh, to the point where I was absolutely just ragged, uh, and then ultimately decided, look, I, I really need to hire uh, an employee. Um, so we went ahead and did that, um, and then. Of course, it evolved again uh, to the point where we both of us are running ragged. Where there's not enough, and we need really need three people to do the job. So we hired another person. So, built as build out went, our our setup team was actually the first part of the build out uh, for employees. Uh, we are now up to probably 15 or 16 people in season. We dropped down to 11 in the off season. Gotcha. That also that also includes our retail side our accountant uh our sales staff and of course our setup crew so gotcha okay makes sense so the um i guess looking at that then you know you're growing from 17 to 2021 uh, i think i first met you in 17 or 18 or something yeah. like that yeah. so the you know how did you I always felt you were the business where you're jumping in the truck and you're running everywhere so that to me was your growth plan <laughs> was like, how fast can you, can you grow? But, but, you know, we talk about the growth plan in terms of chicken or the egg, do you plan it and then they will come or do you, um, you know, just go, go, go and look backwards and say, okay, you know, so, so how does your business expand? I always think of you in terms of geographically expanding, but tell us how it really is. How did you expand that? Well, so, so back again, years ago, um, I was, I always loved setting things out on the, in the showroom, um, and having the girls really build things out. So it looked really nice. Uh, and even with product that we didn't own, uh, we would order in a sample of this or that and put it out, uh, and just wait for the, you know, for feedback from our, back then it was customers, planners didn't exist back then. Um, and so the customers would come in and if they wanted, if I got enough requests for it, we would go ahead and order that. Um, and that's kind of how we grew is just, I still use that method today is uh, to, I, I spend about almost a year for bigger decisions, talking to planners, talking to my sales staff, talking to my setup crews, understanding and visiting with people in the industry about how that, that works and what we need to do uh, to accommodate it. Mm -hmm. And ultimately get to the point where we decide, all right, it's time and we pull the trigger on it. And of course, like anybody else, we hope like hell it works. <laughs> so, 
Excellent. Well, you know, and, and I think about, so tell us about your distances and how far you travel. Um, so how many, first off, how many states do you actually enter to do work in? Well, well currently we have our, our tax license in five states. So, wow. uh, so I can cross pretty much anybody that, that borders South Dakota, um, Iowa, Nebraska, Minnesota, North Dakota, um, uh, Oh gosh, I think one one time this year we're actually scheduled to get into Cody, Wyoming. So we're wow. expanding a little further than my, uh, but ultimately, Dan, again, that comes back. How do I get there? It's it's building those relationships, uh, being memorable, um, and doing an absolutely outstanding job, uh, not only on my part, but my team, um, just wearing the face of the company well at, at every interaction. Um and and that we get phone calls back, but um uh, but ultimately, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a massive coverage area, and we want to be very careful not to alienate our own market. Um, yeah, so that's always something I'm I'm internally battling with battling with as well is when do we say no? How you know what's what's too far? Uh, would we go to California? Uh, prob- yeah. Probably shouldn't do that, you know. So, but those those requests, who knows where they'll stop. So when you when you first started those types of jobs, you you know, and I saw a little of this evolution where you became really focused on job costing and trying to make sure that that job is worth it. Do you got? Do you have any um, good horror stories for us that we can share? Like where it was like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I signed on for this deal. I'm not going to make a penny. And- oh yes, um, I've had many of those um, <laughs> where. Where in years past, where you know something had to be bought in order to do the job, and we knew that by the time we bought it, we would be underwater. But was you know was looking out past that job, you know what what was going to be the benefits of owning that piece, even though we were not going to make any money on this job. So there's that consideration, but also um, you know as you graduate through um, the the type of vehicles that you use to transport logistics. Uh, what you figure out is, is, oh my gosh, there's this entity that governs us called DOT and they have rules. <laughs> you know, you, in the beginning, we were just chucking shit in a truck and cruising wherever we needed to go. No, no worry about, are we overweight? No worry about any of that. Um, I was always very good at keeping the trucks up. So we never worried, worried mechanically, but, uh, but in graduating to the, uh, the big box trucks or the uh, 32 foot trailers, the gooseneck trailers where now DOT comes into play. Uh, what ultimately happened in that transition was, is we realized that this this project was going to take three trucks instead of one. And hey, by the way, we're moving uh, 500 miles. So wow, as you as you realize, it's not the product you're losing money on; it's the amount of time and labor and transport, uh, and, and of course, transportation costs because of the bigger vehicles that need to go. That's where we got ourselves in trouble several times. Yeah. And that's where we started to, you know, invite DOT in and started to understand and let them tell us about what we needed to do rather than finding out the hard way. So, well, and, and once you've been there once, you can learn from that, right? So you're going to have, um, you're going to factor that into your job costing spreadsheet, right? So I, I always found that very interesting because I had used job costing on in the trucking industry. And then I saw the job costing um, for you guys. And I was like, wow, this is pretty pretty uh, intensive. It looks at everything from tolls to gas to yeah. body count and looking at labor costs and you price seems to price price, right? Tell us about, um, so are you, have you recently changed to good shuffle? Have you been with good shuffle? Uh, we changed, we're probably been just a shade over a year with good shuffle. Uh, 
absolutely love the software for what it costs yeah. and what it is. It's just phenomenal. Um, we've built out our website around it. Uh, there's just, I think in the, it, I, I wish there was a little bit more on the reporting side of things and that's where I'm finding myself pushing a little. Um, yeah. We absolutely love, love good shuffle pro. Okay, great. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to take a look at it. I haven't seen the product yet, but um, they recently have signed on as a sponsor. So they may be even sponsoring this podcast. We don't know that. But um, but anyway, um, yeah, so the job costing, seeing the event and tent groups in peer groups, having that conversation almost every meeting, right? Like, have you honed it? Have you tweaked it? You know, are we making money? It does feel like earnings, EBITDA, mm-hmm. even with there being a slowdown, EBITDA seems to be on the rise in the event rental business. I can't necessarily say the same thing about general tool and equipment, although, you know, you always hope for the best. But right. I remember when I first started with Event Intent, you know, we were lucky if we were getting 23% EBITDA or something like that, and it is getting closer to 30%. So, uh, you know, congrats to the industry for figuring it out and getting paid fairly for what you're doing, right? That's part of the trick. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was that was one thing uh, that we've worked at really hard too, is actually breaking out all of those things. I know um, some people absorb that into the cost of rentals, but we actually have the rental cost the items all broke down in good shuffle. And then the second tier is actually all the labor that goes back up to do anything asked of us. And the third line item or category is transportation costs if we're asked to be delivering it. So everything's lined out, line itemed out so that everybody, all of our customers can break that out and decide ultimately whether they want to want us to do that or they don't. Cause to me, I really don't care how much I have to do or how much I don't have to do. I'm happy to have them join the team and help set up, but ultimately I want the, to be crystal clear on costs. Excellent. And so how do you, last couple of questions here for you, because I know we got to run, but yep. one of the things I was curious, um, how have you uh, pulled yourself out of day-to-day? Obviously you're super active day-to-day, so I'm not, I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying, you know, how have you started to give yourself some breathing room? Tell us a little bit about your key employees. <laughs> well, I'm a work in progress then, but uh, I I have an accountant now that's here almost uh, well, 25 hours a week um, so that I'm not in the office. And now we are working on just getting something set up. So uh, on the fly, I can see a report, uh, you know, weekly and then again, monthly and then again, quarterly that just tells me where I'm at. Um, we have established a sales staff of two so far so that I'm not answering the phones and I really honestly try not to because what I find is, is as active as I am in the field, if I engage in rental uh, interactions or customer interactions, I remove my sales staff and find myself having to come back to that to answer those questions because I started that. Uh, Mm. So I'm trying to get away and we have those two sales girls in place to handle that. Um, Our retail stuff has a manager that takes care of all of that. Uh, where I find myself is where I, I'm, I'm passionate and I get pulled to is the setup crews. I really I love the warehouse. I love organizing it. I love uh, being out in the field and being a part of projects. I also have some logistics, uh, a logistics person that was just put in place so that we can understand, again, not losing money and how many vehicles things are going to take uh, to get projects done. Uh, so I'm finding myself more and more gravitating towards the management side of things, but I don't think I'll ever get out of the field completely. Sure. 
And there's nothing wrong with that, right? So we like we love this book called Rocket Fuel, which focuses on traction and implementing EOS in your company. And this idea that you know not all owners are visionaries per se, or they may have an element of vision, but they really might be an in- implementer integrator, and they enjoy doing the do right. You're COO, and and you need somebody else out there helping with the visioning and positioning for for growth. But um, so you said your last hire was logistics. Was that right? Something in that? Um, actually, didn't hire for it. We we oh. moved a fellow that was has been in the company for almost nine years and is very good at that. Uh, at understanding, it's just it's his strong point. And I think that's the other thing is looking around internally to understand. I think we did personality tests. We did a lot of stuff to understand oh, wow. who who was it that we had around us. Uh, and once you know, the worst thing in the world is to lose a great employee that was capable of accomplishing so much more for you, but you never mm-hmm. knew or recognized their talents. And so that's what we've really been working on is, is analyzing that, putting our internal people where they really gravitate or should be, um, and then finding the people to bring in and train um, to fill in those spots where, where we're shorthanded. And that's typically always the setup area. Okay, perfect. So, Obviously, on the move, on the growth, what's next for you? What do you see on your org chart? What would you like to start filling in the next couple of years? Well, a lot of things, Dan. We're, we're working really hard on getting it. Well, we've got our employee manual in place. Uh, I think where we've fallen short uh, or where I've recognized we're falling short is internal structure. Uh, we need to document things, get it put into a manual so that people can help train themselves. It helps with onboarding. It helps so many different areas. and uh, also to shore up people's time. Uh, obviously, as I say, the days just slip away and it's that way for our entire crew. Uh, so we wanna make sure that uh, that people have a means to figure out how uh, things are supposed to be done without grabbing somebody else or possibly two people and wasting three hours in that one hour time period. Um, so that that's really where we're getting at. Um, and then as far as product goes, uh, I think we're gonna head towards structure. Uh, we're gonna start getting into that and traveling. I think it's time. I've gotten enough feedback where I think uh, I think the Midwest needs that. So we're going to dabble there. Very cool. Very exciting. That'll be neat to see uh, you move that direction and certainly lean on your peers. Maybe you can, we can connect you with some of the other event peer groups. Um, but Blake, we appreciate you and we appreciate you being here today on Peer Talk. Everyone, this is Blake Didi from Ideal Tenton Events. Thanks, Blake. Dan, thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. You're here for game-changing good business advice. So we have to ask, has anyone told you about Good Shuffle Pro? Get ahead with speedy, reliable rental software plus the top-rated customer service by visiting pro.goodshuffle.com P-E-G today. That's pro.goodshuffle.com P-E-G. You've been listening to Peer Talk from Peer Executive Groups, produced and directed by Noah Crowley and hosted by Dan Crowley. Subscribe to this podcast for notifications of future episodes of Peer Talk.